Hello, this is Deb from Deb's Data Dojo, the host of Deb's Data Dojo, member of the Calling All Beings podcast network. Today is a special interview with members from RAF Bentwaters and RAF Woodbridge. Both of those bases, for those who are not aware, were near Brendlesham, which is notorious for an incident that happened some years ago. But the people on the panel today had a part in experiences also. I want to give them a chance to introduce themselves today, which is a little bit unusual, but I will mention that today we have Lori Refield, Scott Guerin, and Doc Rhodes. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. Okay, so let's, let's give you guys a chance to introduce yourselves. Um, people who have been listening to the dojo will know um, of your prior interviews, but, you know, Doc, you're new, and I want to give you a chance to go first. Doc, can you please tell people who you are? Okay, well, uh, I'm Doc Rhodes, and I was stationed at RF Bentwaters Woodbridge from uh, July 79 to July 81, and uh, I was on duty with Delta Flight uh, the nights of the uh, incident that took place out in the uh, Rendlesham uh, Forest area, and uh, of course, that's not the only <laughs> that's not the only uh, incident that I've experienced. But that was the that's that's the biggest one, you know. So, well, I'm definitely excited to hear about what other experiences you've had because it seems to me that there seems to be a link between that spot. And all three of you having other experiences because, you know, and we'll go ahead and introduce um, Scott next so he can explain how he's connected. Hi, my name's Scott Guerin. I uh, am a pararescueman, retired. I was stationed at uh, RAF Woodbridge from 1980 to 1983. I was with the 67th Aerospace Recovery Squadron, uh, which consisted of a composite unit, HC-130s, uh, MH-53s. Um, we were surrounded by the A-10s from all the uh, tactical fighter unit there. Uh, we you know, were in and out of Rendlesham Forest on a regular basis for our training and for after the uh, big sighting there in uh, uh, 1980, December of 1980, uh, we were tasked, although we didn't know it, most of us at the time, why we were tasked to go out and clean up all of our excess gear that was left hanging in trees like parachutes and stuff on the ground, equipment that may have been left out there. Um, and, and that, you know, while during that time there, I didn't see the UFO, uh, but that was certainly the buzz of hearing everybody talk about it. Um, but I have had other experiences, which we have uh, talked about. Right. So that's, again, another fascinating aspect. Even though you didn't see that UFO, years later, you've had multiple experiences. And I believe you said you had some before that as well. So you've had significant high strangeness is another way that we like to frame that in your life and i i feel like there's gotta be a reason for the synchronicity there right mm -hmm. okay so i'm happy to i i see someone else popped in i'm not sure who that is it says a Rhodes. 
I think that's my daughter. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. She wanted to. She wanted to listen in on us tonight. Oh, okay. So she's just listening. Okay. Okay, that's mm -hmm. fine. I, I wasn't sure who that was. Okay. Um, and then of course we have Major Lori Redfield, who had a very interesting experience that gets under uh, publicized, in my opinion, about Eastgate. Can you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself, please? Sure. My name is Lori Rayfelt, and I was stationed at RF Bettwaters and uh, RF Woodbridge uh, May 1978 to uh, December 1980. I actually extended six months, go figure. And uh, so, but I missed the the big event, the RFI. I, I left there December 15th. Uh, 1980. So I had no idea uh, that, in my opinion, it came back. Um, so it was uh, very, uh, for me, there was some satisfaction that uh, that the colonel and other people got to see what we experienced, because I, I took a lot of heat for it, uh, you know, Rayfeld seeing UFOs, blah, 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 because I was just a young airman. And at the time, yeah, I was an airman first class. Okay. Um, it looks like another person is trying to connect. <laughs> it seems like a lot of people are coming in. So I'll, I'll give them a minute to get their system going. Um, in the meantime, um, I, I would really like for everyone to just kind of touch a little bit on some of the high strangeness experiences um that they had and earlier before we started when you guys were engaging and talking about um the east gate experience how you both saw it from a different angle so maybe you could touch on that a little bit too well the one thing i have to say is the fact that doc had seen the same that we connected the dots many years later uh that he saw the ufo that i had reported and it to me it, it was very uh, cathartic because I, I felt like man, i'm not alone on this because i haven't talked to keith duffield uh forever i mean the last he the only thing he ever said was yeah th those were pretty wild amazing lights you know it's like whoa but um other than that you know i didn't get much information out of keith and um but, uh, but Doc was a really, he's working with him was great. He was always steady and just a nice guy. So, um, so it means a lot to me that he's here, actually. I love you, Doc. Yeah, same here. Same here. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and I just believe that the history of all three of us, Scott included, because, you know, we were watching the, PJs um, jumping, we could see the flares, the lights uh, as they were in the helicopter, and we knew that they were jumping into the North Sea in the wintertime and thinking, oh, those poor guys. <laughs> but, um, but they did have, I think they did have a more interesting, adventurous kind of, kind of a job. Uh, I think if it was opened up for women, I probably would have tried out, but, you know, I don't know if I could run and swim as fast as they can. It is now. You can you can give it a try now. Ah, okay. Now I'm tired. 
Okay. So, Doc, can you chime in a little bit about your perspective of what happened out there at Eastgate? Okay. Could you ask me that again? Uh, you kind of broke up. My system isn't cooperating like it should. What was the question again? I was asking um, what what happened when you were out there at Eastgate? What was your part of the story? Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. This uh, uh, that uh, I know that that's that first night out at the Eastgate when uh, uh, when I let the uh, the uh, the search party out of the gate. I hung around at the gate to uh, just to see what was going on. And uh, and for for a long while, uh, only thing I could hear was Burroughs uh, constantly coming in over the radio saying, uh, "Did you see it? Did you see it?" You know. <laughs> and I think Colonel Holt or somebody made him uh, be quiet. You know. And then uh, uh, it wasn't long before I could see it. Kind of a I could I could I could tell something was going on out the, out in the forest because I could see a, a reddish, green, bluish purplish haze looked like something was moving around out there and then the the, uh, the radio as a matter of fact the light all units they took light all it took about six light all units out there which was the uh, gasoline powered uh, uh light lighting units that they used to light up the aircraft parking areas they took at least four of those out there they stopped working uh the radios stopped transmitting you know and uh and and uh, so uh, I I went up to CSC to see what was going on up there. And when I got up to CSC, they didn't seem to be too worried about anything. So I went back down to the gate. I, I think I might've checked a few buildings and then went, went mm -hmm. back down to East gate and, uh, and, and sat there for a little while. And, and, uh, and then uh, I could still see some type of activity going on out there in the, in the forest. And, uh, and what I did eventually end up seeing was, I think it was three, maybe four reddish, purplish colored lights kind of come up over the tree line and kind of hesitate uh, kind of briefly for a little bit, for a little bit. And then they just just kind of scattered and shut off. Mm -hmm. Oh, OK. So his stream kind of went out again. Ugh. Yeah. What's interesting, when, when uh, Doc mentioned going to CSC, that was Central Security Control. I was like the talking to that was the security side of uh, it was law enforcement and security and that was the security side of the death I'm, sergeant. Okay, I'm back. I'm, I'm back. Can you can everybody hear me? Yes. Yep. I'm back. Mm -hmm. But anyway, the, uh, the 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 lights that I saw they <clears throat> just kind of like scattered off and just went in the direction of of the Bentwaters area. You know, and that was the last I, that was the first and the last I saw of that of those. You know, and uh, and that's uh, the second night. Uh, I remember uh, a, a white, a white light with a tail, the behind this light as the and the tail was 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 moving along with the with this light as it zigged and zagged. You know, and it made a kind of a funny looking. Uh, trail in the sky, and uh, that's what I remember from the second night that uh, that I was out there. You know, was that during um, the midnight shift? Were, were you working midnight? 
were you working midnight yeah, shift? Yeah, yeah, those were our second. That was our first and second midnight shift. Okay, okay. About what what time? Yeah. Like uh, zero two hundred hours, something like that, or it, early early morning hours. You know, uh, two three o'clock in the morning, something like that. Okay. okay. You know, I don't know exactly what time it was, but uh, it was early morning hours. So, Doc, I want to go yeah. back a little bit. You said there was some issues with equipment not working. And I want it to be clear, that's that wasn't untypical. Oh, the, the stream got cut out again. He'll, yeah. be, he'll be back in a minute. Um, it's, the, it's the energy. It could be. I've, mm -hmm. I've had some quirky things happen, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, well, but you guys can answer this question probably also. Um, it's not very normal for military equipment to just go out, right? Yeah. Um, well, it, it really depends. I mean, light alls were, you know, the, the different kind of generators. I mean, a lot of them were pretty old. However, uh, in this particular case to have all four go out is unusual, especially since um, it was cited, I know, and left at Eastgate by Larry Warren that he said that they went out there and they filled up the tank, they filled up the, put gas in the uh, light bulbs. So, so they were, they should have been working and, and they could really light up a huge air. One could light up a, a, a vast area. So, you know, to have four of them out there could have lit up half the woods. Mm -hmm. I would say, but um, yeah, to have everything go out was it would be unusual. One maybe yeah. one piece of equipment going out, but to have them all go out like that—that's that's unusual. And then and then to have problems with the radios not working because the the radios they could go for about five miles. I mean, I I could talk on my radio at RAF Woodbridge and uh, talk to the desk sergeant who was about five, seven miles away. So mm -hmm. so to lose contact when you're just going into the woods, which is really not even half a mile, uh, you know, you're talking about, um, yeah, that's something wrong there too. Mm -hmm. Right, so I know that, you know, there's research that's being done on electromagnetic impact on equipment and the possibility that some technology is interfering with equipment and that's been going on for some time so this it's not entirely surprising if you've studied the phenomenon that there might be some equipment failure but i wanted it to be clear that it was not a typical thing for that much to be happening at once so i guess um my my next question is for all of you to think about why do you think that area attracts so much? Why do you think so much was going on with the phenomenon in that area? Scott, what's your thought? Well, I, I think that, you know, at the time, I don't think many people knew that the actual weapons that were being kept there were kept there and if there were nukes in those bunkers and this phenomena has a pattern of going to areas where there are 
nukes, missiles, yeah. and things like that that are kept and maintained. That I mean, that would that would be my first guess for the reason for it to go there for the weapons that were being stored. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I had a a new thought about that, and it's way out there. You guys ready for it? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Have you guys seen? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Have you seen the Nuremberg carving where there are UAPs having a, a fight over Nuremberg in the 1500s? Mm -mm. No? Yeah, okay. Yes, it was so really there's a bunch of them in the air, going in the air. Yes, exactly right. Someone has recently said to me that there is a possibility that UAPs are fighting, right? And it occurred to me that if they don't want to get shot at, Maybe they would hide around nukes so that anything would be afraid to shoot at them. Hmm. Hmm. It's a new thought I had. I had it yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. maybe, because obviously, how much more can they learn about them? They've been studying them since they were set off in the first place, right? But they still continue to hang out. And it's not like they're doing anything to them. Uh, well, now, I mean, they mm -hmm. did before, but now they're just hanging around them. So this is the thought that I had. What if they're just doing it sort of like they're hiding around them? Well, the, the only thing that I I think of is the um, the fact that while filming um, Capel Green, they actually were in the woods and late at night and they did encounter, I, I know, at least one huge red orb or uh, some orbs mm -hmm. that were quite big that looked like a like a like a flash of fire being thrown into the across the the woods. I know mm -hmm. it's it scared the director. So I just think that the, that that area, you know, people will start talking about lee lines, you know, the energies that are there. Then they had, you know, uh, you know, doing research. There was that uh, uh, they had Bodsey Bay where they were doing top secret experiments on probably anything related to physics, I imagine. Mm -hmm. And uh, one one of the things they were working on was the radar jamming with uh, Cobra Mist, and that would have been in the late 60s, 1960s. And um, and then on top of it, you've got you've got Sutton Hoo uh, that was not even a quarter of a mile from Woodbridge, and they uh, they have these mounds, and these mounds are are in the same position as um, Pleiades, the uh, star mm -hmm. cluster. So, I mean, there's a bunch of different little things like that, that, you know, it's... So I, what you're saying is beyond the nukes, there's a lot of things going on in that particular area. Yeah, and I, yeah. And I know, and you know, I think we spoke before also that it was beyond UAPs um, mm -hmm. because there was other phenomenon and a lot of haunted um, locations nearby as well. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's another theory out there that I've just heard. And I call it, um, I'm calling it the paranormal network um, theory. Um, and this theory is that the phenomenon is connected because it all is stemming from a technology that's impacting us. Um, so the phenomenon's connected to like seeing spirits and stuff because that technology impacts us and then we see it. Um, we see things we're not normally supposed to see. Um, 
So basically they're implying that it's like kind of like a network of paranormal activity caused by technology. And that you can actually, if, if you envision it like a spider web, then you can actually like touch the spider web by accessing this technology, right? Wow. And then incite something to happen, incite uh, someone to see something. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think about that? Okay, Scott, go ahead. Anything. Well, I would say anything's possible. And to, the more ideas about what it is, you know, the more you think about an idea and that leads to other ideas and and that yeah. could be it. And maybe it'll lead to the idea. What I was going to ask, Lori, when, when is the last time you went there uh, to Bentwater's Woodbridge? Because I was I w got restationed at Mildenhall in 95 <clears throat> and I drove over to Woodbridge to just look around and see what it looked like. Yeah. And, you know, the base had been turned turned over to the uh, to the mm -hmm. British and they had they were running it for their own operations. But uh, the forest was looked like the kids game pickup sticks mm -hmm. and all the trees mm -hmm. were just jumbled and laying on their side. And I just thought that was like, wow, it's just really weird for this whole forest to be knocked down like this. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I actually went, I visited um, uh, Bentwaters and Woodbridge in 2000 and it was... Uh, yeah, they were starting to demo a lot of the, the buildings. Uh, in fact, uh, it was so funny to, to be there and see uh, my dormitory was still there. There's some buildings that were still there because I was when with the women, uh, even if I was in security police, I, I was living technically across the street from the from the chow hall, you, you know, right beside the Keesler Federal Credit Union was right there in the little park. Oh yeah, I remember where so, that was. Yeah, yeah. So, so we were we were just right right over that area. And in fact, when I first got there, in the back yeah. of the uh, my dormitory window, looked out on this beautiful field, and I thought, oh how peaceful. And it was about a month later they started um, putting in uh, the the new hospital, which I never did see get completed, uh, but the way they, they put these big metal bars into the ground by pounding them in. So I'm working midnight shift. I get off and nine o'clock in the morning, all I hear is this pounding, like bam, bam. You know, I'm like, oh, great. Yeah. yeah. So much for my peaceful I've seen field. Buildings go in. Yeah. I've seen but, buildings go in. Now, was, was that the same building they were putting in when they had to stop? Uh, construction because they found uh, human type remains uh, in, oh. the, in the ground. I don't know. There was a place, there was a, there was a building that they were constructing on Bentwaters and they had to stop construction because they had found uh, those hmm. remains. And I mean, I don't know whatever happened to them, but they were all, they, yeah. they had, had to take yeah. care of them. Is that something that we would be able to find? like in, information about because that's the first time i've heard about that i don't know well one thing i do know is the uh you know we talk about the different activity things going on in fact uh i, I was listening to a podcast where larry warren was talking about 
you know, um, the uh, especially the people over at Bentwater side in the dormitories that, you know, their use of alcohol and whatnot was like through the roof. And it was just so crazy. And and I didn't understand. It was like a lot of a lot of guys were doing some really strange things. Like I like I heard like Steve LaPlume had taken a, a like a hunting knife and started cutting his stomach up, and he was bleeding. And they were chasing after him. And he called the police, you know, the law enforcement to see what was going on. So there was all these crazy people behaving really strangely. We had we had somebody break into the sound center. And I don't know, you remember that one doc? They broke into the, this guy broke into the sound center, stole a bunch of stuff. And everyone said he was gonna go back again. So he went back, he did. And they found him inside between the, the ceiling tiles. And the, it was a, you know, the Quonset hut that it was in. And right. uh, he had a harpoon for his weapon. I was like, this is nuts. I mean, it's like yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I had to go to his room and check out a, you know, um, you know, check out everything. And his room looked like the sound center. In fact, all his draw, all the drawers where you keep your clothes, were now filled with uh, cassette tapes, thousands of them. And he had, uh, it was like he was living in a storage room for stereo equipment. And, and this guy was a tech sergeant. He wasn't young. He, he'd been in the military about 12 years, if, you know. And he, he just, uh. you know, threw it all away. But it really, really bothered me about the whole thing with the harpoon. You know, I'm thinking, this is just too bizarre. Um, but what's interesting, if you go back to the early part of the the 20th century, like like in the 1900, you know, like 1910, 1920, there was a huge mansion near um, where the, the dormitories were on Bentwater side, and it was called Rendlesham Hall, and they ended up using it for the inebriates. So it was like a place for people that you know uh, were probably out of their mind with alcohol and whatever kind of drugs they were using. And I was kind of wondering if maybe their uh, spirits or whatnot um, uh, were influencing, you know, the, our our guys who were up well, over there. I can tell you, I'm I'm just looking. For this body you mentioned since we started talking about this and I've already found something about an airman named James Ray Short or Shorty who mm -hmm. was, was killed at Bent Waters um, in kind of an accident. Yeah, yeah. actually my friend uh, Chuck, Chuck Daldorf wrote that. Yeah, he it really kind of messed him up. Right, um, so I mean obviously people have you know, died not only in nearby and may possibly um, have haunted, you know, the area in some way. But there's uh, signs that, you know, of course, people died at the base. At, well, know. well, we had, yeah, there was a high rate of, uh, uh, apparently there was a high rate of suicide. We, we, we had uh, people doing just some crazy stuff. 
and and you know you know i just remember having to yeah. go to the clinic uh there was one woman from the dormitory who uh i she was just out of her mind and i had to actually sit on her so that the uh, doctor could you know take some blood from her uh, to check to see what she was she was on but you know it was like all these people that were normal they got there they were normal and then they something it's like something just clicked that they decided they didn't want to be there anymore it was like a fight or flight feeling would come over a lot of them yeah. it was right. like, I, it's like i don't want to be here yeah. you know and it, and it makes me wonder again about the uh, EM technology thing. So let me ask, because I know, Lori, you told me before about that oppressive feeling when you got off the bus and like had to deal with being there. Um, Doc, did you feel like there was something kind of off about Bent Waters? Was yeah, it? Did it, feel, was it, did it yeah. feel weird, like oppressive or just kind of not right to you? When, when you first got to Bentwaters, uh, did it feel kind of like something was off about the place? Uh, if that was directed at me, could you repeat it? I was asking if it felt odd to you there. Like if when you got there, did it feel a little weird to you? Oh, he, he got disconnected. Okay. Oh, the well, poor while he gets reconnected, Scott, um, when you were there in, or traveling nearby, did you feel anything was odd or off? No, I never felt like something was weird to me. You know, uh, like Lori had said, my my job being adventurous, so. And I, you know, I'm an airman, so I'm just excited to go every day and 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 do the, you know, the things we were doing, training and jumping, and probably one of the uh, people that contributed in my group contributed to a large amount of alcohol consumption while we were there. Um, mm. And but yeah, but, I, I can tell you that <laughs> that the uh, the haunted type uh, the the paranormal side of it that many people that lived off base in the homes around the area there were there were always reports of weird things that happened in people's homes and uh you know the like when i there was a corner there was a corner where everybody um, it was like a, not like a, a circle, but it was, a it was just a, I don't know, there was a post office, a store, a, a little pub, but in hundreds and hundreds of years ago on that spot where they built the house was, they called it a hanging tree there because they had baskets that they would put, suppose the stories were that they would put people in and for their for their punishment and just hang them until they died in these in these baskets wow. so cages wow. cages baskets so there was always stories around there and uh you know i never wow. verified okay. that that was actually happened but stories so even just stories. that 
even that dis- just that discussion to me would be oppressive like so something was definitely really just really off in my yeah. opinion like mm-hmm. obviously so so doc um let's see if you can answer if you felt like something didn't feel right there at Fent Waters just as soon as you got there uh, <clears throat> no i didn't uh, I, I i never had that feeling uh even during uh, the times that i saw stuff floating around in the skies at night you know it's, it's you know it was you know it was just that uh, uh it just seemed like uh well like this is just the way it is you know there's things that, that we can't explain and uh and you know so i just uh just took it at that you know uh, I but i like was warned when i I was going to say, I I was going to say, I think you respond to UAPs the way I do, where you seem to think it's just, it's part of nature, right? Well, yes, I guess so. Uh, But, uh, but I will say that I was warned when I got there. uh, If, if they, if, if I, if I ever saw anything weird or whatever, just not, just don't say anything, just. You know, just go about your your duties and just don't say anything at all. You know, I was told that when I first got there. Can you, you say know. the the at least the rank of the person that told you that? It was a sergeant. A sergeant. Yeah. In fact, uh, well, it, well, he's deceased now, so I guess. Uh, but uh, he's he was a sergeant on our flight. You know, and that was what he told me before I. Before I, uh, while I was processing in, and before I came on duty, you know, that with the flight, you know, said, mm-hmm. said that you know, wasn't, that so, wasn't Whitehead, was it? What, what was that? Who was the sergeant that passed away? Uh, Sweeney, and that's well, I we have yeah, Sweeney okay. passed away, and that's and that's and that's I guess since he's passed away, I guess I can say, but he was the one that uh. Mm-hmm. You know that uh, gave me that piece of advice when I first got there. You know, uh, it, it makes you wonder: Are they trying to let you know that there were a lot of other experiences that still haven't come out? Like, because that's a possibility that there were a lot of things going on that still haven't come out. There's also the possibility that you said they were doing some experimental things that they were referring to that, but. It could also be the experimental things were attracting the other things. So that's, it's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. I I just never experienced, I, after leaving Bentwaters, uh, you know, after being there two and a half years, fortunately I lived off base. So like the last year I was there and that, that to me really gave me a reprieve. It's something about being on the base even working, I mean, it's like my stress level was always really, I was like on high alert. Um, it's like I had to watch my back. I, I uh, you know, and I, I really didn't, you know, and I didn't share any of this. I never shared it with Doc or anybody, you know, I was just kind of like, you know, uh, but I felt it. See, for me, I felt it really, really strongly. And, uh, and time also felt like it moved so slowly. It was, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't believe it. I mean, now I wish time would move a little bit slowly, but, you know, but back then, I mean, it was just like inched away. 
except when we saw that UFO sighting, the one I told you about is we lost time. That was the only thing we lost about two hours. But, um, yeah. Right. So you had the time dilation, which, um, again, you're one of the only people that I've gotten to talk to that's had that experience so far. Um, although other people just seem to have memory loss, like they just lose chunks of time, um, but they don't realize it. <laughs> so, like, I think yeah. your time dilation was a little different, right? It was like really obvious that you had lost time and did not. It you were one minute doing one thing, and the next minute's two hours later. So yeah. yours yours was a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was pretty. It was very subtle. It was very, very subtle. Mm -hmm. But you know, and I just clearly remember after reporting to the uh, air tower at Woodbridge and uh, waking the guy up, and he didn't see anything, and then walking away and looking out toward the direction of the North Sea, and uh, thinking to myself. Yeah, I, he could have corroborated what we had, what I had seen with uh, Duffield, and at the time I didn't realize that Doc had seen it too. Um, yeah, it took almost thirty something, forty years <laughs> to find out that Doc had seen it, um, and yeah, it was it was just kind of it was just a, a strange time. But looking out at the North Sea, and it was daybreak, and back then like i mentioned in february it stayed dark long i mean it was it was still dark at seven in the morning i mean winters over there are long <laughs> it gets dark about four o'clock in the evening and stays dark until like seven in the morning so um yeah winters okay. are tough. so just a heads up um scott has sent me the article about the body um it's from a woman who died about uh four thousand years ago um and it was at raf i'm gonna say this wrong lake and heath yep you got it okay so where was lake and heath i got it. yeah i guess i had my bases mixed up yeah so that was about yep, an hour about an away yeah, about an hour yeah, away. Yeah, they found project. Yeah. Okay, so it's interesting, though, nonetheless. Um, so they had to apparently halt construction on that base about an hour away um, mm -hmm. because they found this body from a Saxon burial ground mm -hmm. where there were over 250 graves. Wow. Wow. Well, that's what they had at Sutton Hoo. It was a, a Saxon grave. It was yep. apparently they, they had buried a, a ship and they found a lot of uh, gold artifacts. Right. And uh, I, think, I think there's a film out there. I think it's on Netflix, one of those channels called The Dig. But right. And I the saw that. Yeah. And the interesting thing is that those mounds, again, are in position of. Uh, the star cluster Pleiades. So, and how close was that to Bentwaters exactly? Yeah, I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, it was near uh, RF Woodbridge. Uh, it was kind of like on the other side of Rendlesham Forest. I mean, it was about no more than a half a mile away. Okay. Just, yeah, 
it was very, very close. So that you know, sounds it like- would, It would be interesting. <laughs> it would be interesting to see a dig underneath where the bomb storage areas are supposedly, you know, where the, the craft was shining the lights down and everything. Maybe, maybe there's something deep in the ground that uh, has an interest there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was talking to this guy, Ken Kern, uh, from the uh, unofficial 81st SPS uh, website, and he's got it on Facebook, too. And he had said that uh, when in uh, 1977, about that time frame, the bomb dump over in... Um, which was a weapon storage area over at Woodbridge. They moved all the all the nukes over to Bentwater side. And he said that prior to them closing the weapon storage area and then using it as a just a non-nuclear uh, weapon storage area, uh, that they had renovated the place. They they had put a lot of money at contractors there, so. I think they did build something there. And I think that, um, yeah, they were using it. And that was when uh, I shared with, with Deb before that I was working in the, the weapons, not the weapons, it was the non-nuclear weapon storage area at Woodbridge when I got this really strange feeling that there was this huge giant um mantid that was telling me to uh uh pretty much go back to my gate shack and i'm like fine i'm going back to my gate shack and uh that was that was really really creepy yeah so there's a, there's a lot going on in terms of these entities that people are seeing and some some speculation that what we're seeing may not be what they look like at all um and that they may be kind of giving us an impression of what they look like rather than showing us what they look like so like it's mm -hmm. sort of like uh an illusion because they're trying to and then other people say maybe we're just trying to figure out with our what brain capacity we have what they look like and maybe off so i don't know but a lot of people are talking about mantids so i i have no idea and i don't know that i think mantids sound very different from even the grays because you know they, they both have those big heads so i don't know yeah no no these these guys were i mean they look like praying mantises and they're huge i mean the one that i have seen and uh, to be to be honest with you i mean i kind of wish they would have put a different impression in my head i could deal with casper the friendly ghost or you know something cute right i don't know i don't know but, why they but, would pick a, a mantid if that's yeah. what i mean i i never told I, it took me many 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 years to mm -hmm. even disclose that to anyone because it, it was just too far-fetched in my head mm -hmm. but um but it scared the hell out of me um to the point that yeah i kind of you know, uh, waited till daybreak to do my uh, building checks. So, 
you have to wonder like if that's what they're picking like are they thinking that's not scary to us like did they go you know this is a harmless insect on the planet but i don't know i don't get it like if but that that could just be what yeah. they look like right yeah. i mean yeah but this one when they're like seven eight feet tall you think know, they're, and they're muscular what yeah. is that scott yeah he says he doesn't think they're harmless he said if you look at a close-up picture you look at a close-up picture of a mantis and their arms and their tentacles their claws and and their, their weaponry that's on them uh a, a six foot tall mantis is, is so do you think that maybe, it's a, like a be, uh, gentle no this this one was like could really really be very deadly yeah but this this one, he, whatever he was doing, he was pacing back and forth. I mean, he he put the impression in my head. He's pacing back and forth, and he really doesn't want to be disturbed. And he's very very muscular. He, you know, I mean, he was he was like a like a like a seven eight foot giant, you know, um, being that was uh, just wasn't human, you know, and and. Uh, and it, and it just blew me away. I mean, I was like, you know, hmm. you, know you, you almost want you almost want to say, God, why why are you putting that in my head? You know, I mean, what, well, you know? and if and if that is what they're doing, maybe they're doing what Scott's saying. They're trying to look intimidating. They're trying well, to get people to go away, right? Because you hear about the those who have read um the skinwalkers at the pentagon book you hear about them seeing some really strange entities there including werewolves right yeah so maybe all of the things that we're seeing are almost like presented to us in a way that kinds of scares like it's like a defense mechanism in these hot spots um that you know have these high strangeness that there's yeah. like entities scaring people away essentially well, there was a one. Do you remember the one uh, doc about the uh, the faceless woman on a bicycle? Do you remember that? Okay. Well, I'll I guess be... doc doesn't, but um, yeah. Might. But he'll there be right a, back. Yeah, I was talking to this talking to this guy, and he was telling me that he was driving the the metro van, and the metro van doesn't have any windows in the back, and pretty much. We all would just climb in the back and sit on the floor when we were taking, going to either being taken over to be posted on East Gate or or the security guys um, wherever they needed to be posted, and we um, so there were no windows and the guy driving it he he looks out the window while he's driving we drove American cars on the left side of the road while we were there. So he looks out the window and he sees this woman on a bicycle and blonde hair, long blonde hair, and she's wearing a dress and it's like one of those old bicycles. But when he looks carefully, you know, when he's driving, he's like, you know, looking and he knows she doesn't have a face. And all of a sudden now he's like scared. He's like, I gotta get the hell out of here. And he starts to, to put the accelerator down and he's driving, driving really, really fast. And this being on the bicycle keeps up with him. 
he, mm. he, he's going like 50, 60 miles an hour on that winding little road between um, East Gate and Butley Gate. It's just, you know, it's like a, that's going through part of that Rendlesham Forest that was taken out. And uh, yeah, he, he said, he said, you know, he almost, yeah. Uh, and the people in the back and the van, he didn't want them to know that he was scared of this being that was, that wouldn't, like, he couldn't get her to go away. It yeah. sounds terrifying. <laughs> but Yeah, yeah, it really, it really, there were some elements that were. And, you know, I just have to wonder, you know, they put all this time into studying Skinwalker Ranch. I wonder if anyone's ever spent that time investigating that area to that extent someone maybe from the british government um do you guys know of anyone who's done any investigative work like you know studying for em studying for radiation and um, done some concrete work doing some science on that area um i don't yeah i think no? i think there's there's a couple but they were doing it on their own independently of mm -hmm. looking at the radiation and looking at um, the, the different, um, I guess, the chemistry that's, you know, in the, in the soil, soil samples, but, you know, checking radioactivity in, mm -hmm. in the, and they do, they did find a high rate of radioactivity in it. The guy's name totally escapes me. I haven't talked to him in a while, um, but I think he's he's in um, he's going to be in that film, Cable Green, too. So, um, but anyway, but as for people doing anything, um, not not that I'm aware of. I wonder if that might end up being a little more difficult than it would be to do Skinwalker Ranch just because it is in England. You have to probably be a citizen. And, and, and you know, I know they've handed the, the mm. whole thing to the government in England, but, you know, some of it might still be for military purposes. So, yeah, yeah. Well, well the Ministry of Defense still... They still have, I believe, uh, RAF Woodbridge is still active. So I don't believe you can walk anywhere you want uh, yeah. on the base. I just have to wonder because when you talk to people, and we just had a whole bunch of people who are studying this in England talk to us on uh, Calling All Beings. When you talk to them um, about England, England is very closed door about this. They, they're obviously doing stuff. The Condine mm -hmm. Report indicated they were obviously doing some yeah. research but they don't want to talk about it <laughs> you know they you, you can see in, in parliament even there were people coming out saying let's talk about this let's get mm -hmm. you know on board and the, the uh the queen's husband was interested in uaps but nonetheless mm -hmm. we get very little open public information yeah. it seems from england so they may have done that work and not wanting to yeah. talk about it you know they may have done some serious science there well well I, I think they did and I think it was out of Bob C Bay I mean these these scientists that would take a little ferry to go over to this island where they had a nice uh it's like an old mansion that they were working out of I, I think they were doing stuff with uh you know um 
with physics and with uh, like Einstein's theory of relativity. I mean, the big thing with the Cobra mist was trying to do radar jamming, trying mm -hmm. to trying to make the aircraft invisible. Um, so I mean, you know, trying to make it invisible to the to the Russians, and because uh, we were definitely in the Cold War then. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what happened is I think uh, things must have bounced off. Or apparently, the, they couldn't control the frequencies and the and the. Um, it was like a lot of. Uh, bad static or something and, and they talk about it going hitting the stratosphere you know the you know this uh if, if you look at, at a map of uh or if you look at a place near Bogsy Bay or Orford you'll actually see this array that um it looks like a fan that's on the ground that, that faces out toward um the North Sea heading in the direction of like mm -hmm. Russia um, and apparently it made a high pitched sound and they realized it didn't come from the equipment and then they, uh, dismantled it. They said, well, you know, it didn't come from the equipment, but you know, uh, we're not, you know, they're putting too much money into it or whatever, but, um, but it is kind of disturbing that maybe they had opened something up. Maybe they had torn right. into something and they were like, well, you know, my bad. <laughs> and uh, really uh, left something that I think this negative energy, at least the what I felt when I was there, um, I felt the negative energy. And I think it was poor. It was, it was like a big hole in, in uh, you know, like they, uh, you know, oh, you know, what do you call that? In a fence or it's like a big hole that's letting, letting all this negative energy. Well, that's kind of, I don't know if you've watched Stranger Things, but that's what happens in Stranger Things. The scientists are kind of messing around with things they shouldn't be and they end up opening a portal. So mm -hmm. that's kind mm -hmm. of the theme of that whole series. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's, yeah, it gets pretty dark and, and creepy if you watch it. I love it, uh, actually, but it, it gets pretty yeah. uh, crazy sometimes. But so, I mean, I, I think for the most part, other than the impact on mood and, of course, the visual sightings of UAPs, um, it sounds like, you know, uh, luckily it wasn't like overly bad but I, I i still lean towards like there might be some em technology that impacts some of the things that get experienced you know i just i really feel like that's a part of it and when, when i heard about skinwalker ranch i was like i think there's something underneath it i think there might be something underneath that we don't really fully understand and i wonder if the same thing's going on at bent waters well, but, well, it, it could also be that these areas are were cursed, you know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we're not looking into the, what it means to be, you know, to uh, for a, a piece of land to be uh, scarred, you know, or to, yeah. to to be treated, you know, so badly that they they said, you know, they made it into a. Uh, uh, just just a poisonous place to be 
Uh, well, I, I read about the Skinwalker Ranch and, and to, to the point that these people had locks on the, uh, they had padlocks on the inside of the houses to keep whatever was out there. I mean, uh, um, and, and it turned out that the property was run by uh, uh, Native American Indians. So, you know, you know, and again, I kind of think that, you know, what, when we mess, when we mess around, whether it's with um, things that we don't know about, or we break something, uh, you know, it's like, well, you know, uh, this this is something that came out of the Egyptian pyramid. We broke it, and and we're acting like it's nothing. Where it could be opening up Pandora's box, you know. We, wow. you know, there's just a lot of. Well, I just I, I'm thinking that there might be some parallels because, you know, of course, Skinwalker Ranch was cursed. Right. And then, um, you know, you're talking about the mounds that were located next to Bent Waters. So mm -hmm. that's burial sites that were being messed with. <laughs> and then who knows what curse might have been on that. Right. <laughs> and then and then it's worth pointing out um, a lot of people talk about pyramids but all pyramids are pretty much burial sites. So there might be a common thread um, that we're just kind of missing potentially um, with what happens with burial sites and that energy, because, you know, you could go scientific with it. Energy doesn't really ever get lost. You know, all the things that make up the universe are still in the universe. Mm -hmm. And you could say the same thing about uh, consciousness. You know, with the uh, what happens to all, you know, whether it's loved ones or what who pass away, and you know, uh, wh where does where does that go? You know, I mean, we, we could say heaven. We could, you know, correlate it to all kinds of things. But mm -hmm. I, uh, yeah, I ponder that quite often, <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh, I also think. Two, one thing that I was going to mention is that with a lot of the burial sites you're talking about, a lot of them are in patterns of like constellations and mm -hmm. patterns of, it, it's almost like our whole, uh, if we looked at our earth differently, we would probably see, uh, probably have a map that tells us exactly where this whatever this bigger entity that's watching over us is, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think, uh, which yeah. would be kind of cool to know. A lot of, a lot of things to unwrap when it comes to the spiritual aspect to this, for sure. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I keep thinking about the geomagnetic part, um, which is of course part of EM in case, you know, the ley mm -hmm. lines, all that stuff. And that comes literally from the planet. And some people are talking about there's going to be a shift in those lines. And at the same time that you're hearing people say that, the spiritual people are saying there's going to be a shift in humanity. So is it both? You know, so maybe there's a connection with us and the planet that's so deep and ingrained in us that we're not aware of. Who knows? But... Since I'm looking at the time, I want to pull back a little bit from these introspective 
concept, right? Because I know there's so many cool things, but I want to give everyone a chance to really engage with each other while you can. Um, so maybe ask each other some questions while you can, because I know we don't have that much time left. Um, so Scott, you've been kind of quiet. And do you have questions <clears throat> for everybody? Well, I was definitely listening and writing down questions when I got my chance there. But uh, wow. uh, Doc, when you were introducing yourself, I heard you uh, say that you were stationed on Woodbridge. And uh, was were you a security uh, police there on Woodbridge or was, was another job on Woodbridge? He worked he worked in law enforcement with me. Okay, okay. I didn't I didn't hear uh, where yeah. he identified yeah. Yeah, he, he was yeah, he was a uh, he was he was working uh he did patrol and worked on the gates. We we both worked on uh D flight, Delta flight. Actually, I worked uh, yeah. on B flight, B flight, and A. Yeah. Doc, are you able to hear us right now? Just, I know you kind of been going in and out. So, Lori, uh, did our Doc, did you ever have to go to the uh, ammo storage there on Woodbridge and uh, escort any a wayward pararescuemen that landed on, in the inside the fence during a parachute jump? No, no, but that would have been fun. I mean, I thought, I thought you guys were amazing. I, I always thought that you know, you, you got you it guys. It was quite uh, the drop zone. Really, right? Well, I mean, it was a very small drop zone, right? On this, you know, one side was the bomb dump, the razor wire, the fence. Mm -hmm. The other side, uh, maybe maybe a hundred yards max across more like 50, 75 yards was the tree line. Right. This real right. small area out there. And it was, uh, it was, it was all, always wow. interesting to do jumps in there. And uh, I know there was at least two guys that landed inside the bomb dump while I was there. Uh, oh, so wow. It was a, a big deal to get, to get them out. <laughs> oh, funny. <laughs> like, well, funny. you know, they, yeah. Like they were, how about yeah. how about you, Lori? Do you have a question for everybody? Yeah, Scott, I I am still so amazed about your you you jumping in the whole thing about you surviving the fall. Uh, I mean, you know, it's like to me that's a, mir a miracle. It's a total miracle that you're alive with us today. It is to me too. And, and I mean, it I mean, in, me a, well. in a way, I, because life is so precious, I'm, you know, really uh, happy to, to have gotten to know you. And, um, but that must have been wild. Did, did it feel like you were going in slow motion or did you feel like, you know? Yeah, oh. yeah life definitely is. We don't realize how, what a fine line we are on with our lives from, from breathing and circulation everything else so yeah. you know i know deb's uh, heard it before but you know uh, I, had, I have two memories that i just people ask me i describe it as two memories a conscious memory and unconscious memory uh the conscious memory is i remember going to the to the uh, to the drop zone getting on the helicopters we jumped out of a marine helicopter i was with a seal team in virginia at a civilian drop zone the helicopter landed in and got us i remember that part of it 
I remember taking off, going up in the air, and and I don't remember actually jumping. And then uh, a couple of days later, uh, waking up in ICU, kind of you know, drugged up at that time. But that was all. That was my conscious memory on either end of the jump. Uh, my unconscious memory, which I don't remember jumping, I don't remember having the collision where I opened my parachute and there was another jumper still in free fall, came through, knocked me unconscious, tore up my parachute, and then I went about 3,000 feet and hit about 100 miles an hour into the ground. Um, and that's what eyewitnesses say. I They relayed that to me. That That's how I know uh, about it and what's been on video. So I never knew I was injured during that unconscious period. Well, wow. I, I never felt pain. My unconscious period, I did know I was injured because I could see my body. I could see the guys there trying to help me. I knew I was injured, but I was leaving. My consciousness, my soul was leaving, and, and it was just a wonderful feeling. I was surrounded by the white light, which people talk wow. about. The, the white light encompassed me that I, and what I realized that was, was energy and it was love. And I was part of the energy and I was just mm -hmm. encompassed in this embracing, loving feeling. And, but over another area, I still felt like I was in my body. I felt like there was a transition and I felt like I was in my body, but I wasn't in my body. I was just energy and I was moving to that bright, bright area. And yeah. in that bright area yeah. were three figures that I could see but the light was so bright behind them, I couldn't make out what who it was or what exactly they looked like. Just three three figures, and wow. I got very very close wow. close to them, and I'm thinking we're telepathically communicating. I know that they are there to meet me. They're they're greeting me. I know I'm going to them, and they're to meet me. And I'm I'm willing, and I'm ready, and I'm going to go. And then it got to the time, and I heard the voice say. It's time to go now, and I hear that as clear now as I uh, the day it happened, mm -hmm. and and I had a, a gazillion thoughts and uh, or a million thoughts, and I I turned my head away from that light area and I said I'm not ready to go yet, and that's the last thing I remember, and so and, and then I woke up in ICU, and uh, then I had pain after I woke up, but during that time I I didn't feel it. So, I have to say that, like, I have been watching a lot about NDEs lately. Mm -hmm, I don't know why. I don't know what it is that's drawing me so much. But one thing that I'm really intrigued about is this idea of feeling like there's love on the other side. Because I wonder, is it that that's love? Or is it that we should feel that all the time? That's a feeling that, like, when we have it here... It's energy, it's excitement, it's feeling safe and comforted. And like, is it is that a normal thing that we should be experiencing all the time and we're just failing to do so? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's everyone's like, it's exceptional love, but maybe we're supposed to be feeling that all the time. <laughs> like, I do feel it yeah. now. <laughs> I well, well I, I know it was really funny uh, over the past several years. I, I mean, I, I kind of feel like I've gotten... And I don't know, I guess it's always been with me, even since I was a little kid, um, being so sensitive. And and it got to a point where um, I was working in insurance and I was meeting with clients. And this one client I went in to see, um, 
she wanted life insurance, but it was too, it was really too late. She was on her, she was really on her deathbed. And I'm sitting, I walk in the room and, and the room, it was really like this warm, warm light. Everything was kind of yellowish light, but it, it was, it was as if a, like a big hug of love was around her. And, and I could feel, again, the, the energy of these really, there were about four or five really tall angels that were in the room. And they were, I called them workhorses. They're the ones that go in and escort people to wherever they go next. And, but yeah, yeah, the, the whole, the whole um, movement of going from earth to there is, is so, I mean, the love apparently from what I've heard cannot even be described. I mean, what we feel here is, is nothing. It, I mean, it's. I know. I, I think my confusion yeah. is, is it the right term to call it love or is it something else like an energy, like a, a energy is, might be a more accurate word. You know what I mean? Like, are we putting a human term to something that's pervasive in the universe that we should be in tune with and are not normally this if that if and then love in human terms and then love in human terms is the closest we get to it. Yeah, that, I think it's almost like a, yeah, I think it's 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 almost like a comfort. That, that, I mean, the whole the whole fear of of you know most of us. We live knowing that we're going to die, and most of us are scared and don't want to die. You know, and those mm -hmm. that have the near-death yeah. experience are like saying they've been given the gift of saying that they realize that where they're going next is it's, it's it'll be great. It's okay. It'll be great. Mm -hmm. um, and I I think that you know it's it's just a journey for our consciousness right. to go. Um, to this place and, and I, uh, yeah. Well, I guess, you know, if we're going to go here in this conversation, I'll do it. I'll do it. Let's talk about this. So the new thing that I've been fixating on, and I know I, Scott listens to, to my dojo sometimes, so he might've heard me say this, is that there might be some kind of consciousness, kind of cosmic internet, right? And it might be that we're, when we're done here going back to where we originally came from and this is just a physical body that we're using for the time right yeah. and then maybe we go back home or whatever you want to call it and then go back into another body later if we want to um or we just chill back there for a while who knows right but i feel like there is sort of like a cosmic internet of consciousness and that's what that person that I was talking about, their theory kind of resonates with me for that reason. Because I already had this idea that there's just like this big web around everything. Mm -hmm. And there's little nodes of energy along that web that people sometimes connect to. Like bent waters might be a giant node, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Right? So I don't know. I just had yeah. these strange thoughts about this. Like these hot spots might just be bigger nodes. The nodes might be related to electromagnetic mm -hmm stuff it might be related to geomagnetic stuff it might be related mm -hmm. to you know ley lines however you want to put it um but 
I don't know. I think there's something to this concept because when you listen to people talk about their NDEs, you know, it really does seem like you're just, you're out and you're going somewhere else. And there's a lot of different variations in where that somewhere else is for people. Uh, not yeah. everyone's going back the same way. It's like they're hitting other nodes on the way back. <laughs> but, yeah. like, yeah, my, my, my sister had, uh, yeah. I was going to say my Go sister ahead. had, oh, my sister had, my sister Christine had a uh, near-death experience, and I think she was gone for about a couple of minutes, and uh, she she told me that first thing she did is that she went through the, the tunnel, and it was like a really bad roller coaster ride. And then when she got through it, so I, I technically think it was a wormhole. So she got through this bumpy wormhole and ended up in a bright area where the light was really warm and bright, bright white light. And then she said she saw my grandma and um, and, and grandma, I guess, introduced her to and, and probably her own interpretation of growing up Catholic. Uh, you know, she saw God, but mainly she saw a a light, a light, very, very light, bluish light. Um, but everything was just so incredibly warm and, again, unfortunately loving. And, you know, it was just... Uh, you can call it that want... if you need to. We have no other word for it. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was so benevolent. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I just, you know, you know, hearing her, you know, share that story and, and just thinking recently about my mom, who just recently passed away, of, of what she went through or where mm -hmm. she's going. And, um, and I don't think we, I, I think our consciousness must put things in an order that we see what we're comfortable with seeing. I, I, I think it's, it's whatever's out there doesn't want our energy to be afraid you know, or, or whatnot. So we may actually see people as people, humans, not, not just we're a bunch of uh, electricity moving through the, through the air. Have you, have you talked to anybody or heard any stories of anybody that's had a near death experience and had a, a really bad time and they, they didn't like where they went? Yeah, so you hear about those if you okay, so there's a few channels that just dedicate all their time to NDEs. Wow. They the people send them in and they read them out. Um, or there's a person who sits there and just talks to people who have them. They're not everyone goes all the way back home right away. Like I said, I think they're hitting some of the other nodes first. Um mm -hmm on that cosmic internet right so that's my thought on it i don't think that that's what is supposed to happen i think also you know your consciousness is supposed to evolve that's the whole point of making these trips into being living right being alive mm -hmm. being in a body we're supposed to evolve we're supposed to learn things we absorb things some people talk about that akashic record that we're supposed to contribute to right it's the same thing, a cosmic internet. It's just a different way of thinking about it, right? Right, right. So, so what if when people haven't gotten very far with their evolution, they get kind of stuck before they get back to where they're supposed to be? That's what I'm thinking. 
Um, hmm. Or maybe, you know, maybe they're just just hitting a wrong, the wrong node, like I said. They're just not in the right place. But I did hear about horrific things. Um, and some of them, you know, are only temporarily horrific. <laughs> like, they learn how to get past the horrific. Yeah, and, yeah, um, like the guy, like the guy who wrote the book *Proof of Heaven*. The guy, the neurologist, apparently, excuse my language, but apparently he had to go through shit in order before he went to this yeah. really beautiful place. I mean, he was mired down in this in this uh, gunk that smelled mm -hmm. like you know, uh, just yeah, waste, bodily waste, and. You know. Yeah, my my thought about that when he was saying it, because I saw him do an interview about that, was that it sounded like he just hadn't really evolved very far, didn't really fully understand how to use his consciousness at that point. Mm -hmm. And he actually had to be told, this is what you're supposed to do. And once he figured it out, he was practicing. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's, yeah. And I you know if you talk to mediums, they talk about, you know, there's like a set of consciousnesses, right? They're just waiting to get the chance to be alive. They wait for their turn to get to be in a body and have life. That's why life is so precious because there's only so many bodies that consciousness get, gets to go into. And um, this is what I've been told by mediums. Okay. And so that's why life is so precious because it's so so few people get this chance to come here and learn and try to evolve when you're dead you don't have a body right so you also yeah. are going to be missing the things that you get when you have a body um you get you don't have touch you don't have taste you don't have smell it's the none of that's going to be a part of this right yeah. all you really have is kind of the knowledge you know and energy so um you yeah. know I feel like there's a like a, again a, some kind of evolutionary process. Um, so maybe what he saw as being like stuck in mud was more like his consciousness wasn't figuring out how to go through the system. Yeah, yeah. Or or it could have been that 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 uh, whatever that that disease he had. I think he. Uh... It wasn't a disease. It was, a, I think, a virus. Yeah, he got, um, well, I can't think of it right now yeah. either. Yeah. But he got pretty sick um, yeah. in a way he wasn't supposed to be. Yeah. I, I was just thinking maybe he got mired down into that before mm -hmm. uh, before he ended up uh, going through that near-death experience. But, but, but um, what I'm finding also, and to tie this back to the the UAPs is that they're probably these civilizations that are probably involved with the UAPs. They probably have figured this all out already. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. they, they're probably a little further along than we are because, yeah, well, that's, oh, yeah, that's yeah, 100% speculation. But if they are communicating with this cosmic internet through telepathy which everyone seems to think that they are right they've probably figured all of this out yeah yeah i i, so, I think that you, so you know, then, you know, go ahead also talking about them being further ahead and figuring these things out made me think well what are these um interactions random 
or are they planned? Are the are the beings, the phenomena, intentionally targeting whoever they has that sighting with, or that encounter with, or that abduction? Is it a random, or is there a reason for that particular person? Yeah, I couldn't I, answer. I couldn't answer that one. I yeah, don't know. I kind of, I kind of think that each of us have, what before we we're even born, and we go through that tunnel that eventually, it, you know, gets us onto living Earth, living on Earth. Is I think, well, I think we're all on a mission. I mean, I all, I think that we're all here, and, and we're given some different gifts, different talents, and I think. Uh, periodically i think whatever's out there and in, in the universe kind of gets us back on track or you know um you know if we, if we kind of go sideways or, or whatnot or we get discouraged or you know um i mean what what motive what motivates people and what what gets you to you know when you realize in your heart that you've got something important to do but you really don't know exactly what that is but you want to have a and how about when you, when you get that and when you get that second or third chance after a near-death experience and then you got to think well why am i here what have, what is my purpose what did i have a purpose purpose before why did i survive something like that is my purpose yeah. to be here talking with you right now right exactly. yeah. part of it i'll, I'll tell well, you well, the, well, the fact I, the fact i'm sorry but the fact that you're you, you actually scott you actually you know, the photos that you've taken that, you know, I mean, I think you're so close to that, that energy that's out there that it's communicating to you. I, I, I really, I really think that it's, you know, um, it's, it's giving you more information than you probably know what to do with. And, and then it comes to what Gary Nolan's talking about. Some people have an increased intuitive ability that's literally physically seen when they scan the brain of really someone who's had a UAP experience. So is that random? Is it caused by the UAP experience? We don't know those answers yet, right? Um, we don't know if some people have just evolved to the point where they can perceive more things, maybe for our own safety. We don't know. There's just, and then honestly, I've not seen any sign that there's a commonality for people who are being abducted. I've not seen any indication of that. But what I have noticed is that a lot of the people who have that experience are usually doing some service for humanity in some way. They're not just selfishly doing stuff for themselves all the time. They're doing mm -hmm. something for humanity. And you have to wonder are they is that attracting interest from our outside gatekeepers or observers or whatever that they want to know what is going on with this person like you know what is why does this person want to help you know like maybe they're just curious but it could just be random because we have no idea mm -hmm. right because they're not telling us so yeah. well well i i've got this feeling that um it all boils down to kindness it all you know it's like there's this war going on that we can't see but we know it's going on we, we feel the hatred out there and all this other stuff and, and and to diffuse it it would be through 
kindness and, and kindness is actually a weapon you know it's, it's a sword you know because because that negative energy that's out there doesn't like it so it's like in, in in my case i find it very very important to go out there and 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 find any way i can to have find like acts of generosity uh, i got my sister at my at my daughter's uh she just graduated from usc and we were at this farmer's market and this security guy went up to this homeless woman who couldn't stay awake at the table and he just kind of hit her table to wake her up and 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 told her to to he just did this thing like go go away get out of here and and i i couldn't help myself but i went up to her and asked her if she was hungry and bought her a sandwich and a drink and made sure she had what she wanted and i said you know just to give her the feeling of damn it she's got the right to be here as much as anybody else and right. you know it, it you know so i i do believe that i would be in that group of people that you were just talking about that it's really mm -hmm. important that we we, we throw that well, positive energy into the universe but what's also interesting is that some people who come back from these ndes say that there there's no judgment that you can't do anything actually wrong like when you come and have this experience of living and you come back out of it that there's sort of like a sense of predeterminism like you actually picked the path that you had you picked some of the things that you went through um so that's so much so many confusing messages with yeah, that right yeah true like is is there judgment should we be good and moral i think we should i have an instinctive feeling that we should i feel that that's the right path but when people come back from an nde and said there was no judgment actually that's very confusing mm -hmm. <laughs> i don't know what guides us to want to be good then right maybe again what's happening is that being generous and good gets us closer to that feeling that you feel on the other side. Maybe that's feeling of yeah. love that you're supposed to have, that's supposed to be part of who we are, that makes us who we are. Yeah. Maybe just giving and generosity and those good acts gets us closer to that. Yeah, and, and also brings up all this other energy that, you know, I mean, apparently there's energy out there that's attracted to us like we're we are lightning rods you know and and i mean that's the way i've always felt maybe because we do have that human love which is so close to that that's, yeah that's beautiful yeah because these creatures are described often as being unable to do that i don't believe it by the way but some people say mm -hmm. these entities are unable to have love Maybe that's why they're intrigued I, I by never, us. I had never heard that. Yeah, they they talk I about them as if they're robots. Yeah, but yeah, I've heard a lot of people say you know, it's been a benevolent experience. They they never met my mantid, but anyway. Maybe. Yeah, I think it probably depends, yeah, right? Yeah. What's that? Yeah, you know they uh, 
from the, you know, people sometimes I'm asked, what, well, what, what lessons did I learn in my NDE? You know, did I learn anything? Was I told anything? You know, when, when, when I was communicating and, and one of the short, one of the lessons, I mean, there's several as far as, like you said, uh, be nice, you know, I mean, that goes back to, you know, treating people the way you want to be treated and we're all connected. It is that love for no other word to use there, but it, we are all, we're all connected with that energy and uh, that we have choices. You know, talking about we we make choices for what we want to do in our lives. It's predetermined. We're going to do this or that. But but um, and sometimes choices are out of our control completely. Um, but while we have the ability, we we do uh, make those choices, and that sets us on uh, paths as well based on those choices. Well, you want to hear something that's really confusing? It's no. possible. Here we go. You're ready for it? It's possible that we make all of the choices that we live this same life and over and over in multiple dimensions and mm -hmm. all at the same time. And I know that's hard to think about, but one of the NDEs that was described, a man said, a giant wheel came down and he had to decide which reality he was going to come back to when he woke up. And all of them were him. All of them were his life, but with all the different choices, all the different paths. Wow. And there's a movie about this right now. It's, um, wow. I think it's called Everywhere, Everything, All at Once. And it's specifically about every choice you make does a branch and you get to do all these different lives but she had to experience all of the lives at once and it was very difficult for her to take it all in at one time but that might be impossible for us to do but what if there's no judgment because we have technically made all of the choices and we don't know that until later yeah, yeah. Wow. Right. That, that's, right. that's, that's amazing. It kind of reminds me of that film, um, Interstellar, when it when goes into the, I think it was called Terraset. Right. It was like that multidimensional. Makes uh, me think of Groundhog Day. Yeah, that right. one too. That one too. Exactly. Yeah. Except it's your whole life. Your Groundhog yeah. Day, your whole life, right? Because, you know, maybe maybe it's because there's a limited amount of bodies, like we said, right? They're like, we'll just use the same one over and over and then go on to another one eventually, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just a but thought. How about, how, about, uh, how, about, how about another thought then? The, tele we, the telepathic communication that we do when we pray. Mm-hmm. Right. I think we're just trying to connect to that cosmic internet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that's what's happening. I think that's why UAPs are such a part of this because they already connect to it and they maybe even hear us trying to connect to it. Um, and then of course, you know, a lot of people point out how often um, our deities and a lot of our religions either have to do with sky gods sky beings flying beings or uaps like some religions are a hundred percent based 
on UAPs, like Scientology, right? So, <laughs> like, wow. so you have to wonder, you know, we're, and if you know, there's a group of people, yogis, that just meditate trying to connect to that, you mm -hmm. know, they just try to go back to connecting to this other place, like this other level of understanding all the time. People who meditate are trying to connect, people who pray are trying to connect. We're always trying to connect to that cosmic internet again. Yeah, yeah. I tell you, I was I was doing a little meditating a while not too long ago and mm -hmm. asking different questions and uh, two different two different days and and uh, one of the one of the questions I, I was asking for um, the phenomena to uh, to come to me to show me, and I heard clearly we we've always been there. And then uh, another day when I was uh, thinking, you know, I want to see the universe. I will take me on that craft, you know, take mm -hmm. me take mm -hmm. me for the for the tour or whatever it was mm -hmm. I was saying, but, and I clearly heard that you have to know the rules first. Okay. You know, it's so weird that you should say that. It's so, so weird that you should say that because when I meditate, I have some really weird experiences and they're not ones that I'm coming up with. I just kind of let myself go. Right. I do try to start in one place and if you guys have seen Night Sky on Prime, there is a place that they go to that is very similar to the place that I myself came up with to try mm -hmm. to meditate. But anywho, mm -hmm. just watch it. Night Sky on Prime. Anywho. Okay. Um, so I was going to say that I was given a lesson about how to fly a UFO while I was meditating. And they were very specific that I would have to practice. <laughs> oh, there you go. And that, and that I could not just be given the keys to the kingdom, so to speak. That I would be expected to practice. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I was clearly told I have to know the rules first. Right. Wow. Wow. Right. And it's weird how often when people talk about their meditations and if you talk to grant cameron he thinks all of this has to do with that side of things by the way he thinks everything is about consciousness he really does but if you ask people about their meditations they're very similar to the people who have experiences that are physical and there's a lot of commonality like the way that i have been shown how to fly a UAP in a meditation experience sounds a hundred percent like other people who have had physical abduction experiences and how they were told to do it. So there's something weird going on there and a lot of common threads, literally things like common spiritual threads are being described. Wow. They call it the silver cord, right? People are saying, oh, I was shown that there's a cord that connects all the way back to, you know, God, you know, and mm -hmm. a lot of people are sharing that. A lot of people are seeing light beings. A lot of people are being shown a council that is very rude, by the way. 
a lot of people are being shown the same things. Like a lot of people are getting access to information about how to fly UFOs. A lot of people are being shown entities. Uh, a lot of people notice that sometimes they cannot see the faces on the entities when they are shown them, which seems to be a common thing. So it's weird how there's like common threads between other people and their um, meditation experiences. When why would we, is it the collective consciousness that Jung was talking about? Or are we accessing the cosmic internet? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I was talking with my sister recently and Star, Celestine Star. I don't know if you've ever talked to her. Not yet. Really, really, really interesting woman. And and she, my sister was talking about she wakes up four o'clock in the morning. It's like she's completely alert and she goes downstairs and into the living room and she sees this bright light outside the window. And she's looking at it and she sees these orbs moving around. And then, uh, so she was sharing this story with us. And then a few days later, she called me and she said, you are not going to believe what happened. And I said, what's that? And she said, well, I videotaped it. And I actually have mm -hmm. a small copy. I think I may have even put it on my Twitter. Um, and it was just kind of ironic is that it was like a column it was across the street from her house in, in this person's driveway. And it was it was a bright column, but it had all these orbs go like kind of throbbing in and out. They were all white. And then they were kind of a few of them would move across, go through this woods. Mm -hmm. And then there it, it was another driveway with another column of the same orbs. I mean, it would like had to be hundreds of them. And 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 she said she only videotaped it for a few, like a few seconds. I said, Donna, you got to keep videotaping it. And she said to me, no, I'll do better than that. I'll go out there and see what they want. But it's, uh, to me, it gave me the perspective of a, of a uh, like a gateway, you know, the two columns mm -hmm. in the middle and they were moving yeah. between the two. And to think that these neighbors didn't know they had all this activity happening in their driveways. What's really interesting is whenever we talk to someone who supposedly knows what's going on, they always say it's weirder than we think. And when people start mentioning things like portals and when I get into this idea of this cosmic internet, I'm like, is that the weirder that, that we think that people are talking about? Because I think that might be it. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I could be wrong, <laughs> but there could be something I have not thought of yet. Right. Cause I have only got the limitations of my imagination and human yeah. knowledge. So <laughs> what could well, be weirder? Well, you've got, you've got your, your hand on the pulse. Definitely. Right. I don't know. I'm just guessing Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. In a galaxy far, far away. So, we're trying to figure yeah, it out, man. But you know, it's not that far away or, because we have the portals. No. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah. once we figure out, because I think there is, I think there is over by Eastgate. I I think there is a portal over there. There are probably many yeah. portals throughout the throughout the world. You want to hear another weird one? Go go for it. So. 
since um, getting on Twitter and posting pictures and things and seeing what other people are posting and talking about. And, and last year, I, I was listening to a lot of people talk about orbs and posting pictures and seeing orbs. And I was during some to my meditation time period then, and I'm thinking, I, I, you know, I, I don't know about these orbs. I've never seen orbs. I don't know what to mm -hmm. think about them. You know, if there's some, um, I, I want to see them. Mm -hmm. And it was mm -hmm. either that night or the next night, very close to that uh, meditation time, I I get a notification on, on my phone for a motion camera. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, I look at it. It was lit up and there was like a two ball snow person orb mm -hmm. moving back and forth disappearing reappearing brightly and 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 making the area bright and it's on my on my camera and i'm recording i'm like wow Holy yeah. crap there's wow. Oh, wow you know those people uh, who go so out and they do the c5 i've still got the video right. yeah i want to see I'd like it to see that too yeah but when people do the c5 they have experiences i'm not going to say they all do I really question the use of using a laser and pointing it at something that's flying at the risk of possibly blinding a pilot. But, uh, you know, I think that's right, really a bad right. idea. Also, apparently bats are attracted to some of that somehow. I don't know how because they're blind, supposedly. But, yeah. um, but I think um, some people really have those experiences. You can invite this upon yourself. But what I have commented on before about that is if you're trying to contact an object that may be consciously controlled, it might not be especially pleased when it finds out that a human has called it. <laughs> you know, oh, wow. it, yeah. it might be like, who's misdialing me? <laughs> like, like I've made this point before. They, they are not probably supposed to be controlled by us. So that could be another reason they're investigating us. Like, how are we messing with their craft, right? Who knows? That could be a thing. Right. They might be like, right. how are you interfering with these objects? Because not all of them have occupants. Some of yeah. them are essentially their drones, right? And if we're able to mess with their drones, that could be concerning to them. So. Yeah. Look, look, speaking of, uh, you know, ways of communicating, you know, I remember as a kid, my sister had a Ouija board and we were playing with it. And yeah. all of a sudden it, that, that little uh, triangular piece was flying all, all over the board. Mm -hmm. it scared the heck out of me. I was, I was like, I'm out of here. Yeah. Anyone who messes with the Ouija board eventually no. gets scared. Yeah, yeah, it's like it just really, uh, it's negative, negative energy. I mean, I don't yeah. know. I, I actually will tell you that I did a Ouija board uh, reading with my friends when I was uh, probably about 20. And I found what I had written down many years later, and it was 100% accurate. Everything it said wow. was accurate. It said that I would basically adopt children and that I would not have, <laughs> I hate to say this, I would have multiple unsuccessful marital experiences. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> so, and there, and a few other things, including my job, 
which was very strange. So I thought it was really interesting that 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 had been assessed so far ahead, like quite like numbers uh, were all correct, you know, things like that. So I don't think it's all malicious. I think it is a matter of, you know, if you're being careless when you're messing around with something you don't understand, just like those drones, right? You know, <laughs> if you don't know what you're dealing with, maybe you shouldn't mess with it. You know, maybe right. you shouldn't right. be calling something that right. can have radiation and gamma radiation coming right above your house. You know, like maybe sure. that's not a good idea. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. I think yeah. there's some things we have to figure yeah. out for sure. Yeah. I do think, unfortunately, that we're maybe that board to... knew your choices. Yeah. Well, I I don't know. I didn't. It was so far back. Like the it had happened so many years before. Because I hate to say this, but I'm about double that age now. So, so, that, so for it for it to have been that accurate is a little uncanny. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm triple that age, you know. But right, I know. I'm <laughs> just having a birthday, so there you go. Yes. Well, happy birthday. Oh, thank you. It was yesterday. Thank you. No, happy yeah. birthday. Yes. Yeah, so I unfortunately I'm going to have to go because we yeah. are over our time quite a bit. You, you two are welcome to continue chatting. If you I, like I got Streamyard. I, yeah, I've got to get going too. But Scott, yeah, okay. we, we, we've got we've got to connect also. I, I have I started a podcast also. Uh, God, aliens, and a cup of coffee. So I'll have to have you guys on it. You, right. Yes, that's, that's right. Fun. You too, Deb. Yeah. I know. You know, I'm not going to look the same. I'm going to hold on. I'll look like this. <laughs> but oh. I'll, 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 okay. <laughs> okay. I like it. Yeah, that's you. I don't know if you've seen this. Have you seen my show, Calling All Beings, with DJ and Nathan and Flair and well, Kevin? His name's Kevin and uh, Steph. No, there? no. Okay, you should. Maybe I have. Out. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we did a kind of big interview recently. <laughs> So oh wait 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 wait, wait. yeah yeah actually I I did I did see I did see it you may have heard about it yeah. I, like I I think all of the interviews are important but you know the people sensationalize certain ones so mm. yeah. that was You're talking about of, with Lou yeah because because it was his last one. one. It was yeah. supposed supposed to yeah. be his last one, so that was why it was. And you guys had a great question. Yes, it was your question. You had a Scott. great That's question posed. It. it was Scott's question. <laughs> the question is, who the hell are you? <laughs> no, no, no. I I would never ask him that. I yeah. I feel very positive about Lou. So, but um, I am going to say good night to you both. Thank okay, you so much night. for for coming. I'm so sorry Doc had technical difficulties and wasn't yeah. able to stay with us. You could see he stopped trying to come back in at near the end. Yeah. And yeah. then the, the other people who had joined who were, were muted and had their cameras off didn't ever quite get in. So that was kind of peculiar. I, I think don't that, even... that was, he said it was his daughter. That was yeah, one listening. was. One was. I don't know if the other one was the other person that was supposed to come on or not. It was kind of strange. Yeah. 
think um, it was, uh, on my screen here it said roads on both of them. Yeah, but the other one was never able to be put in because I didn't put a camera or a microphone on. So the whole thing was weird. But anywho, nonetheless, we were it was here. High, yeah. It was high strangeness. Yes, it was high strangeness. Um, but we were here. We had a good conversation. We got to have our Bent Waters reunion. I think it'd be great if we did this again. Um, got some more people together to just kind of understand the area. I would love to find out if we could get someone from England to address whether or not this has been scientifically investigated a little bit more thoroughly. That, like, it obviously should be. So that would be uh, great. Hey, Thunder, Thunderbird, Thunderbird, Charlotte, and Thunderbird. Right. Do I don't sure. know if she would know specifically about yeah, Gary. That. Gary Heseltine might be a good one. Isn't he kind of focusing on some other area like Norway? No, no, no. He he's he was one of the people that facilitated Capel Green, the film. And, okay. uh, and there's another one coming out. I don't know exactly when, but it's 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 primarily about uh, Colonel Halt. Right. I think they're calling it Rendlesham. Okay. Well, uh, you know, it'd be great if we could find out some things um, from that perspective. And honestly, yeah. I really, I do hope that we reach a place where they do start making some accurate movies about what has happened. Um, like just even the story of the the U UFO offices that we had were it's really intriguing. I know they made a show a TV show about Blue Book, but not only yeah. was it so muddled, you couldn't tell like what stage of Blue Book it was because it wasn't the people that you thought were supposed to be there, but it didn't really address grudge and sign. And then it became like kind of really weird. <laughs> like, yeah. They just yeah. threw in, like they threw in stuff for the sake of making it a TV show. But wouldn't it be nice to have a movie about what really has been happening with UFOs, the real story? I think so. I'd like to see that movie. Yeah. I want to see the real story of ATIP and the real story of the UAP task force and the real story of James McDonald and the real story of people like Heineck. I want to see that story. I want to see Rupert. I want to see his story. I want to see why it is he came out with the book and then later try to change the end after having some talks with some people. You know, I want to know that. <laughs> well, well, you know, you know, it's interesting to, to add this last thought is that when Colonel Halt and all those guys were out in the woods, all the security police guys were out in Rendlesham Forest walking around. Right. Um, the key thing is there was a lot of chatter on the radio between um, this uh, security guys and law enforcement desk. Uh, it was just going back and forth, back and forth. I mean, everyone was, I mean, apparently at one point there was a light that went right down into the weapon storage area where the nuclear bombs were at Bentwaters. But here's the thing is that the base, the wing commander at the base, uh, Williams, uh, that the, the whole wing who who's the echelon above us they're they're like the you know they run the show not a peep not a word and so you kind of wonder about that like 
you know, they, you know, we're trying to do our job yet. On the other hand, they're, they kind of don't want anything to do with it. Right. So, so in some cases, the air force sometimes covers their own butt by saying, well, we can't talk about it or we don't know, or, right. or, or, or they'll, they'll railroad the people that saw something out of the military right. because, because, you know, um, yeah, they, they don't, they, I don't really think disclosure anyway, it's, it's, I, I just think that they don't know. They really don't know. And they don't know I, how to say, I don't know. I, yeah, they definitely don't know everything. And they, when they do, it's so broken up and compartmentalized that they can't put the pieces together. Right. Like True. one person's going to know one thing really well. Another is going to know something else really well, but they won't put the pieces together. So that mm -hmm. if, until they do that, until they get better at that, we're all going to be kind of in the dark trying to figure this out and having questions like, is it love? Or is that the human term we can come up with that is fuzzy? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like things like that. We don't know because it's it's a fuzzy wuzzy. <laughs> I know, I know. I just I want to figure out how um, we can all put these pieces together. That's why my website's called the Connector. I just want everything to get put together. It's so frustrating knowing that it's yeah. possible. And what? Oh my gosh! What power we would have if we as humans stopped trying to compete and fight and worked together yeah i mean in you're you're 100 right we are each and every one of us is holding a piece of the puzzle right you know and if we did put these pieces together i mean if, if you look at the infighting going on with with a lot of the guys in security right. police and law enforcement i mean these are guys i knew back then and they were assholes back then and they're still kind of assholes now and you know and then you've got people that embellish their their authority of what they did, you know, whether it was at MOD or the Pentagon, you know. And uh, I wonder who you're talking about when you say that. It's, it sounds so specific. I don't know. Well, one of them could be my neighbor in Tucson, Arizona. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he's he's not a dope. <laughs> You can't, you can't pick on dope. Okay. Pick. Well, I, I'm no, not going there. I'm no. going to walk away from this conversation now and say good night to everybody. It was a all. wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. I hope we'll have more in the future. And I will make sure that if I come on your okay. show, even if I will have to look like this avatar, I will okay. I'll bring some coffee. Okay. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All okay, right. good night, everybody. Stop. I want you on my show. Right. Thank you. Um, and I will talk to you guys later. Take okay. care, everybody. Bye-bye. Good night. Good night.